Good morning. I'm Rebecca Laird from the School of Theology and Christian Ministry. And every spring, it is my privilege to teach a class, as you've heard, preaching and teaching the Bible. With students from the School of Theology and others, we have psychology and social work majors this year, business and communications last year. We um, look at the craft of preaching. I come alongside the students and we engage in theological reflection on short passages of scripture asking, what was God saying through the living word then and now? And what might be God saying to the churches, to God's people, to the community through the Bible today? We craft sermons very carefully. They work really hard using the best of language, the best of speaking skills, and we come together to be living, embodied ambassadors to speak on behalf of God's word. We want it to come alive in your hearing. And it's a little different. Faith stories are super important, and sometimes they are used in a sermon to illustrate the truth of the passage. And sometimes they sit off to the side. There's a place for faith stories, and there's a real place also for the word to speak, for the Bible to remain central in the proclamation. And that's what we seek to learn to do. As you've heard, two students are going to preach, one today and one on Monday. Today, I get to introduce Trevor Tillman, soon to be graduating senior in just a few weeks. Trevor's from San Diego, and he has the gift of faith. He has the gift of encouragement, and he has the gift of preaching. Trevor's been involved in worship arts and discipleship ministries here on campus these last few years. And when he leaves this place, he's pursuing a career as a pastor and worship leader and an entrepreneur and author. You can go to Amazon and look up Unchained, a book of poetry by Trevor Tillman, and get your very own copy. <laughs> Trevor's life aim is to live out Matthew 5.15. He seeks to be a light to the world, bringing hope where there is little hope. Open your hearts. Hear the word of God through God's servant, Trevor Tillman. Come on, Trevor. It is such an honor to be able to be up here and preach the word of God in front of friends and classmates. Uh, before we start, I just want to uh, start us in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would not fall on deaf ears, but would fall on good soil and take root in these young hearts. I pray you would help me communicate your word in excellence and with grace. Amen. <laughs> Today, I will be preaching from John 12, 1 through 8, which says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. 
Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The word of the Lord. <laughs> As we read the text, we should allow the text to read us. Before we dive deeper into the text, I want to ask you the question, who do you identify with in this story? Is it Lazarus, who has just experienced the miracle of resurrection? Lazarus' sister, sister, Mary, who has just witnessed a miracle and now she worships at Jesus' feet? Martha, who is cooking and serving food for Jesus and his disciples? Judas Iscariot, who is judging others out of selfish ambition, or Jesus, who is watching those he has loved well struggle to follow him all the way to the cross and beyond. Who are you in this story? In this story, we see Judas's heart. Although he was a disciple of Jesus, Judas decided to cast judgment onto Mary for the way that she worships. His judgment was out of selfish ambition because he wanted her to sell her perfume and give a portion to the poor in which he would have stolen out of. As Mary is having this sweet moment in which she beholds the Lamb of God and the Savior, she does not hold back her worship but lets it flow out of her onto his feet. So Judas, who is not fit for judgment, as none of us are, places himself in the seat of judgment. And he says, what she is doing is wrong. He said it was wrong of her to pour out her expensive oil at his feet. I also love how Jesus comes to her defense and says, leave her alone. We always love a good big brother. <laughs> so, does not, so not only does she witness her brother being raised from the dead and the man that did it coming to her home, but he defends her against his very disciple. He stands in between the judgment cast by Judas upon Mary as he does with us and God on the cross. There will be people in your life who will judge you on how you worship. They might say you're too loud, too crazy, too wild, too charismatic, too excessive in your giving of tithes and of offerings, that you pray too long, give thanksgiving for too long, 
but they haven't seen what you've seen, heard what you heard, and lived to testify about it. I've had people tell me I'm too godly or spiritual because I pray too long, sing songs of praise all the time in the hallways, refuse to do certain things because I've acknowledged that my body is a temple of God. But they weren't there when I knew God sent someone my way to bless me with money or food when I was broke. They weren't there when I saw God save my mother from death. They weren't there when I saw God heal a blind man, a deaf girl, or change my financial status. In chapter 11, Mary sends word to Jesus that she needs him to heal her brother. And Jesus says in verse four, this sickness will not end in death. And even though her brother dies, as she is waiting on Jesus, she knew what she heard, that this sickness was not going to end in death. He was in the tomb for four days. That's even a day longer than Jesus was in the tomb. Yet she knew it wasn't going to end in death. Jesus comes back and raises him from the dead. And here we are in chapter 12, seeing this beautiful moment of worship. And I loved that she believed Jesus to be a man of his word. There have been times in my life where I was given the opportunity to believe his logos word, his written word, and his rhema word, which is his spoken word. I remember my freshman year of college. Woo. Uh, <laughs> I told the Lord, uh, the Lord told me to go to college and not worry about the money. With no money to my name, I came to college and witnessed that word come, before, come to life before my eyes. At the end of my first semester, I had a wealthy friend's grandparents write a check in my name that paid my tuition. And even though I was in a financially dry season, the Lord brought waters of life and let it rain. The word he spoke brought forth life and provision because I believed it. We have a choice in our affliction. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm sorry, hold on. <laughs> Yeah, we have a choice. <laughs> In Matthew 5, 6, or 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let our treasures be placed at the feet of Jesus. And so we have a choice every day to believe in the power of scripture that comes from God, that can direct, correct our life and bring us closer to, the, to Jesus, who is the word made flesh. This is what we would consider a kairos moment, which means in Greek, an appointed time or season. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. It was a moment in time in which she may not get the same moment. He was at her house. 
So in this Kairos moment, she worships and pours the most expensive thing she has at the feet of her Messiah. She didn't pour it because she was afraid of judgment. She didn't pour it because she felt like she had to. She didn't pour it because she was told to. She poured it out of sincere worship and acknowledgement of who Jesus was and said, he is worth it. He is worth the most expensive thing she had and was willing to pay the cost because he is worth it. What are the things in our life that are on the shelf or pushed off to the side that are valuable to us? Is it our family? Our finances? Our car? Our career plans? Our relationships? Are you willing to lay those down at the feet of Jesus in a moment of radical worship? Not because you have to, but because you have this moment to. Let's think back to moments in our life where we were protected, defended, favored, covered by God and bore witness to his love and grace. Is he worth it? Let me ask that again. Is he worth it? Because if he is, let's give unto our God, not because we have to, but because we get to display our affection Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let our treasures be placed at the feet of Jesus. Let us place our relationships, our friendships, our finances, our cars, our career plans at the feet of Jesus. For, if, for, for us to experience more intimacy with the one that shepherds our soul, for the one that we call Savior, who has more love, joy, peace, wholeness, and the abundance of life. If you have been waiting or praying for a moment to know God like Mary, your Kairos moment is now. Who are you in this story? Are you Lazarus? Who has just experienced a miracle? Mary, his sister, who had just witnessed the miracle and now worships at Jesus' feet. Martha, who is cooking and serving food. Judas Iscariot, who who judges the others out of selfish ambition. Or Jesus, who is watching those he has loved well struggle to follow him all the way to the cross and beyond. Who? Are you in this story? If you are anyone other than Mary, may we shift our perspective and not be so busy in preparing for Jesus that we miss him. May we not be so caught up in religiosity that we miss him. May we not be so worn out by ministry that we miss him. Even though Lazarus was the one who experienced the miracle, he wasn't on his knees worshiping. It was his sister. 
Let us not be complacent and stagnant in our faith that we don't give due praise to God. Let us be like Mary, if need be, making a fool out of ourselves in front of others with risk of judgment to worship at the feet of the one who shepherds and saves our souls. I want to conclude us in a, in a prayer. God, we are thankful that you draw near to us as we draw near to you. We pray that you would stir our hearts and many more with your word. We pray that those like Mary, who are in need of you, would keep the faith even when they have experienced the death of things in their life. We proclaim the story isn't over if the story isn't good. And we prophesy and declare what you have said. This sickness will not end in death. We say thank you with faith for what you have done and what you will do for, theirs, for those that dare believe in you. Amen.